Hello and welcome to episode 217 of the End Focus podcast. I am your irregular host, Andrew Brown, and we are joined by our regular co-host, Sylvia Wassenaar. Hello, hello. And Rosalie the Little Record Girl. Hello. I can slur these syllables a little more. <laughs> so let's move on with uh, what we played this week in what I predict will be a fairly brief episode. <laughs> I started out with uh, a new indie release on Switch called Vengeful Guardian Moonrider. It's from an indie developer called Joymasher, whose games I have enjoyed in the past, and they specialize in retro action platformers. So Vengeful Guardian Moonrider is set in a dystopian future based very much on Robocop and just a whole lot of generic future tech Japan tropes. Uh, very much in line with Joymasher's past games, which are also very much based on movies and anime from the 1980s. I play as the Moonrider, who is this cyborg that breaks out of a military facility and goes out to basically kill everybody who runs this dystopian future and support the, the rebellion that's out there trying to work against it. Not a terribly deep narrative, uh, but there's enough here to set up a game to run through and kill everything that gets in your way it's a pretty basic platformer it's actually a lot like playing Mega Man X the way it's structured you start off with your first level that you you are mandated to do and once you finish that then you can do any other level you want in any order you want and when you finish the boss at the end of it then Moonrider unlocks a new ability or a new attack, I should say. Uh, the attacks, they range in, in in what they do, but they're all basically the same usefulness. Like, there's one that's like a wave beam that goes across the screen. There's another one that makes Moonrider dash forward and damage whatever gets in their way. And it's all powered by a magic point meter that you can regenerate with uh, pickups you find over the course of the level. Uh, more interesting is as you're exploring each level, you can find hidden upgrade chips for Moonrider, and you can equip up to two of them at a time. They give them different abilities like passive hit point regen, which is the one that I use through most of the game, and passive magic point regen, so I could keep casting those those skills uh, over time. And there was another one where the more enemies I killed, the more powerful Moonrider became. Some interesting customization options you can make there the game just isn't terribly challenging as a result especially with that passive hit point regeneration uh mod equipped i got through the entire game and it really wasn't until the final boss that i really died at all it's uh, not a bad game but it, it feels very too much similar to joy masher's previous games especially one that i played a few years ago called onikin it's certainly not joy masher's best game uh, I was a little disappointed with it, but if it's your first Joymasher game, then I think this might be a good place to start. But if you've played their past games, this will feel very overly familiar to you. Now, the big release this week is GoldenEye 007 was released on the Nintendo 64 app for Nintendo Switch Online. Both Rosalie and Sylvie have been playing it. Why don't you guys go ahead and get started? I think most people listening probably know what GoldenEye 007 is, just in case... Uh, it was basically released in 1997, actually two years after the film that it's based on, which is the James Bond movie. And this was kind of at a time when licensed games were 
everywhere. Uh, but they were usually the worst things ever. And people can assume that when a licensed game was coming out that it was just going to be terrible. Uh, this is way before like Simpsons Hit and Run. And every movie that would come out or every cartoon property usually had a licensed game. And the studio that got handed to do it had like usually like a year to produce like, a great game at the end. And obviously that's not a lot of time to produce a great game. And usually they were pretty rubbish. And it was also developed by Rare, who at the time were probably most known for Donkey Kong Country on the SNES. Everyone probably knows this, but just in case. The cool thing about Rare is that they're actually uh, based in England. Um, I think the main team is not together anymore. A lot of them moved on to Playtonic, who did stuff like ukulele. Uh, but some of them who worked in Goldeneye are actually still there. Like Robin Beanland, and he's working on Sea of Thieves, if you play that. I always thought it was kind of weird when I was little that a lot of my favourite Nintendo games, I just assumed, like, oh, they were made in Japan, Nintendo made them. And most of them were actually made, like in the UK, <laughs> like um, Star Fox in the SNES, which is actually called Starwing here, uh, was also made by mainly by Argonaut, who are also an English studio. Um, I always just thought that was kind of funny. But Rare now are probably known for stuff like Diddy Con Racing and Perfect Dark, which I know Andrew really likes, and Banjo-Kazooie. Um, and they did have successes before uh, 97, but GoldenEye was like, when that came out, that was like what they were known for. And at the time, you already had stuff like Doom. We weren't kind of lacking in the first-person shooter department. But this was at a time when there was a big shift to 3D and a lot of people were excited and a lot of people didn't have uh, gaming PCs at the time. It wasn't very common. So this was kind of like the definitive FPS if you wanted to play, if you only had consoles until stuff like kind of Perfect Dark, which is kind of like its successor kind of popped up. It just follows the plot of the film but they did take their own liberties because I think the staff actually got to visit the film set. They made levels based on that but obviously not everything that they saw was then put into the film so there's some differences. Uh, I don't know exactly what they are because I've only seen the film once and I, as much as I love the game Goldeneye, I actually hate James Bond movies. <laughs> um, I mean I'm Scottish so they're very kind of like, yes England, the Queen, woo! And they're also very kind of masculinity yes and the women are treated and named horribly and the bad guys are always foreign and have disfigurements it's just not something I kind of jam with uh would much rather have something like Austin Powers even though it's very cheesy instead but it's just not my thing but I just there was something about this that I always just saw past I didn't really see it as Bond I just saw it as this really fun game that I like to play uh but basically it's on FPS uh you have your handgun i don't know what the name of the specific gun is just a wee handgun uh you have a karate chop uh okay <laughs> i'm not a gun person but i'm also from the uk so like our gun knowledge is usually like from games um i you have think the pp7 oh. is made up ah okay there's a karate chop move if you run out of ammo which you can also just use if you want to uh your watch kind of acts like your menu where you can pause you can equip items you can change the control scheme and you can control remote bombs and there's like a magnet. It's kind of, I believe it's like the the main cool gadget of the film because Bond films are known for like, hey, you've got this cool new gadget to use. And there's like a very famous, recognisable rainbow coloured patterning on each side of the watch that kind of also acts as your representation for your health. So if you ever get hit, you hear this kind of sound, which I'm, I'm betting is one of the composers going like, eh. and <laughs> the the little watch kind of patterns pop up and that's an indicator of your what health you have left, basically. 
The pause menu in the watch is also like really famous because the music that plays when you go on it is really, really cool. And GoldenEye is probably very, very well known for the soundtrack. And that's thanks to Grant Kirkhope, Rob Bieland and Graham Norgate. I was actually very lucky to interview Grant for my music degree. This was like way before Game Grumps did it, just putting that out there. And it was really cool because I got to ask him like how he took the James Bond kind of theming and made it his own, which is like, it's harder to do than you would think because there's a lot of levels and just the way that the theme just like pops in is just so, it's still very, very clever. It's still very cool. And then on his Twitter, he's like, oh yeah, this took me like two minutes. And you're like, oh, <laughs> I wish I had that like in instinct to make cool stuff in two minutes. He's a cool guy. But yeah, the game is now, I think, coming up for what, 26 years old. So it's aged, but then it's 26 years old. So that is aging. Uh, it's kind of to be expected. There's a lot of things that, you know, if, if you want a really good FPS experience, you're probably not going to pick this. If you, you're usually going to pick this because you have some nostalgia with it, or maybe you didn't have the N64 and you want to see what their library were like. You know, it's just the same kind of things where the graphics are very primitive because it was early 3D. But they were cool for their time. I remember them being very impressive for their time. The controls in it are also very obviously early <laughs> CT and early kind of FPS on consoles because there's a very generous auto aim where you can kind of just swing it around someone and it's just going to go right for them. But they kind of make up with that because there's like three difficulty settings and each difficulty setting actually has more objectives for you to do. That balances out the kind of very easy, generous auto aim for me. The harder the difficulty, you get more things to do and enemies are going to cause more damage, basically. you can, If you also want to go for all the very infamous cheats, there's a Donkey Kong mode um, and a paintball mode, which you can unlock for like multiplayer. You have to complete certain levels in a, in a certain time and that's when things get very difficult and very annoying. And I'm not really looking forward to trying to 100% it again, but I'm going to just to prove that I still can and I'd always recommend unlocking all of that before you do multiplayer because that's where the kind of the most fun is I, I think I never didn't play it with paintball mode on as a kid and also the levels get easier anyway the more you do them you can uh, remember them inside and out when I was playing it again I, I've only gotten halfway through but I was like surprised I was like oh I remember this hallway I know exactly where it's gonna go it was all all in my mind still all these years later 26 years later which is terrifying but with a lot of the N64 games on the Switch, the controls are very weird because the N64 controller was weird and it doesn't really translate well to the Joy-Cons. When it first started, I was like spinning in a circle and I'm like, I used to know this game inside and out. It was almost like a disconnect and I was kind of imagining holding the N64 controller and I, could, I had muscle memory where I knew exactly what button did what and it just felt very, very weird. You can change the controls on the Switch, it's really annoying, but you can. And you can do it in the pause menu on the actual watch. And I changed it to like, the second one, and then after like 10 minutes, it was it was mostly fine. The only thing I had issues with was when you kind of zoom in to aim if you're trying to take out a security camera or something. It still feels very weird. I don't know how it feels on the official N64 Switch controller because they're never in stock and they get resold for a lot of money, so I'm not going to buy one. Uh, but I'm probably going to get a third-party N64 controller at some point. Despite that, 
I've still had a lot of fun with it. Yes, there's nostalgia there, so there's obviously a bit of bias. But I kind of take GoldenEye for what it is. I'm not the hugest FBS fan in the world, but I do. I love Fallout, which is technically also like a third over the shoulder thing. But I mean, it's an FBS primarily. You know, if I'm going to play something that's very detailed and in depth and lots of stuff, I probably would pick something like Fallout 4 instead. So if you're going to play GoldenEye on the Switch, it's usually because you have the nostalgia or you just want to see what the fuss was about. And you know what? It's still just fun. It's just a combination of when you get the hang of the controls and you're kind of just going through the snow and going through the, the bunker and you're just taking guys out on the toilet and then the cool music and it's just, it's still, I still get goosebumps. It's still super fun. I know there's a lot of people that are like, Perfect Dark was way better. Objectively, it probably was. But for me, it was just... Goldeneye was the thing. I used to take it to parties my mum would have with friends and I would be in like the the back room playing Goldeneye and then all the adults would leave the party and come play it with me in multiplayer and it's just it's just a nice fun thing but it probably should have been on the Switch ages ago because that's uh, it's what people think when they think N64 for a lot of stuff but I'm glad it's finally here. Um, everything I was going to say was already covered so I didn't have anything to add. Sorry. Oh, I thought, did you did you manage to play the multiplayer? Because I, no. I didn't do that. Uh, I thought you'd have something, because like, you, you, you came from a non-nostalgia place. It was all about so. the controls and you could <laughs> Oh, sorry. It's okay. I thought we were going to have more of a back and forth, so it's my bad. I didn't play this as a kid. I didn't own it on the... I didn't have an N64. So this is really my first exposure to it. And yeah, the controls took some getting used to. Yeah. They... Sorry, I cut you off. No, it's fine. As I say, like, even playing Banjo-Kazooie on the... the oh, I've tried uh, to play that so many times. I I mean, I... The controls are I weird. Feel like, <laughs> I feel like it's a controversial take somehow, but I think that when you play modern games and then play the games that inspired them, it's a downgrade because everything that the game did when it came out was revolutionary, but then... It's been refined and done better since. So Banjo-Kazooie is a huge example of that. I think that's personally why Ukulele didn't do as well as it everyone was expecting. is because it was too faithful, which meant it was a little bit too obtuse for modern gamers. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I am I still love playing Banjo-Kazooie because I think a lot of, there's a lot of modern platformers that try to do it and just don't but manage to But did you play, play it when it came out or it. close to when it came out? Uh, I not on its release, no, but I didn't even have an N64 when it came out. I got it all late because I was, uh, we couldn't afford it. So I, I got it much later. But there's things that Banjo-Kazooie does that lots of new platformers still don't. There's something about Banjo-Kazooie where they got the perfect blend of everything. I've played ukulele and I didn't, the reason I didn't like it is because it felt very empty. And very, it was just weird. But I played the weird Game Boy Advance where you race in your planes. I've played all the Banjo-Kazooie games. Uh, there's something to like about all of them apart from the... We don't talk about the one with the carts in it. The um, the Microsoft one that doesn't exist. No, I'm still of the opinion that Banjo-Kazooie is like amazing. And I'm a big Mario nerd and I still think that Banjo's better than most Mario platformers. I don't know. Banjo's I, just cool. I think a lot of the games that... Uh, Everyone says that they're, you know, the greatest game of all time. Things like Resident Evil, um, Benji Kazooie. I can't think of any examples off the top of my head right now. 
Ukulele's problem is Ukulele just wasn't very good. Banjo-Kazooie is still one of the best 3D platformers ever made. I just yes, couldn't get into game. it. I, I think that there is a lot of nostalgia involved in those declarations. No. Have, have you played the second one? Second one's no. garbage. Oh, I, I, love, I know a lot of people prefer it because there's like a lot more in it and it kind of feels a bit more full. I don't like collectathons. I, I don't think it's really fair to call Banjo-Kazooie a 3D platformer when it it doesn't really resemble many 3D platformers by today's standards, in my oh, opinion. Oh, I think it does. No, I, I, I mean, think it's much more focused on the collecting rather than the actual gameplay That from what I've played. Oh, uh, uh, but there's like, there's bits like, I mean, spoilers. One of the boss fights is like a game show. <laughs> And you, they ask you questions like, how many eyes did this character have? And where do you meet him? And it was like, I love Rare though. I have like a Rare official Rare t-shirt. <laughs> so I think I've played nearly all of their games, apart from the Kinect stuff. Sorry, Rare. Back on topic though, I think GoldenEye is just a little nostalgia goggled. Um, oh, definitely. The controls are horrible. They're not made for the twin stick controllers, obviously, because that didn't exist back no. then. But they've made no effort to make to adapt to them either in this re-release. I don't think they should adapt to it. It's emulating it. So I would rather have the experience then than have something that's different. If the Switch controller was exactly the same as the N64 controller, sure. But it's a twin yeah. stick. It just doesn't make sense. It's almost unplayable. How does the Switch controller work? Like, is the C buttons on the right stick? Where, where are all the yeah. buttons? At? Okay. So, it, so in GoldenEye, like you see left and right, we're like strafing from side to side, I think. And up and down, you could kind of look up and down a little bit. On a single thumbstick, up and down is forward, back, left and right is turn left, turn right, not strafe left, strafe. The closest combination that you can get to that is to have all of the lateral movement on the right thumbstick and all of the look stuff on the left thumbstick, which is the opposite of a twin stick controller. So people are going into the switch settings to switch them because you can remap controls on the system level. And that's the closest people can get to it. Whereas the Xbox version, which also came out, it just does that. It just works as a controller, like as we know it, left stick move, right stick look. Yeah, but then that wasn't what it was. And also the the Xbox version has got some like, it's like a, it's got some HD kind of things added onto it. I would much, if I'm going to play the N64 library, I'd much rather play as yeah, close as they looked like to you the original would, ones and felt like. There are going to be a lot of people, a lot of kids you're going to be playing this and going to call it crap because I can't play it. But that's kind of what that's what remasters are for, isn't it? This isn't a remaster. It's not meant to be a remaster. I'm not saying it's a remaster. I'm just saying that they've made no effort to make it accessible. I've been seeing a lot of negativity about it online. And that's not good. <laughs> no, but I mean, I I just changed the control settings in the game like you would normally. And after like a couple of minutes, it, it, it didn't feel that because the alt Not everyone's that patient, though. Not everyone's going to no, go into the settings and change the controller. But that's the thing with just old games. Because mm. a lot of NES games are incredibly difficult because they were short and they wanted to extend the time that people had yeah, them. Yeah, but they there's were, like, save states. They've added save states to account for that. Yeah. 
I, I guess they could have put both. They could have put, like, here's what it is normally and you can switch. I'm just saying, add it as an option. Don't make it the default. Just add an option. Yeah. But they, they haven't, haven't done that for any of the N64 stuff, so I wouldn't expect them to do it for this. Well, they have added the ability for widescreen in this, because Rare games on the N64 have patched in widescreen. Kind of recall the original game having letterboxing and widescreen visual options as well. I'm pretty sure yeah, I'm those saying, are all, always there. Yeah, but the NSO app, the emulation wrapper, is accounting for widescreen. Like, it's removing the borders. It's the only game that does it. They've made a special consideration for it, but they haven't done the same with the controls. And arguably, the controls are more important, and it's just going to put people off, and I think it's just going to kill a lot of discussion around it. I think it is an important title, it just hasn't aged well, and I think just saying, well, that's how it was, is just ignoring the fact that a lot of people wanted to play this and can't. Yeah, I, I, I just, I just, I have to agree to disagree, because of course it's not aged well, it's nearly three decades old. <laughs> like, it's just kind of what, it's just what happens. There is, there's a lot of ex- <sighs> accessibility stuff that should be on the Switch, but I don't think that's, this, I don't think it's the fault of this game specifically. I think that's just a Nintendo thing that they need to... Yeah, I'm saying it's a Nintendo thing. I'm not saying that yeah. the game sucks because of it. I'm saying that the game is yeah. nigh impossible to play because of it. And I'm also of a thing that I don't think nostalgia is a bad thing. I don't so, think it's a bad I, thing, but it's hard to be objective when you have nostalgic bias. I, don't, I, I also don't think everyone has to be objective either, necessarily. No, but what I'm saying, like, in a vacuum... Yes, but people are saying this was the best shooter ever and it still holds up and so many people are going to go in and they're going to feel misled. That's a 10-year-old's opinion. Well, maybe yeah, so they're 10-year-old well, today, but they're going to be 20 in 10 years, you know. And there's people like me who didn't own an N64 and I'm playing it for the, the properly for the first time and I'm going, I'm really glad that first-person shooters have come a long way. Yeah, thanks for going <laughs> I, I I think it holds up. It's just an opinion thing, uh. though. I, I think it's just, it's good that pe- I don't I don't expect everyone still to like it. It's definitely aged. It's nearly three decades old, but I still think there's a lot great to it. And this I do have some nostalgia, but I actually didn't get it when it first came out because I I actually got an N64 really late. I I, I actually hate that these games that everybody loves aren't actually good actually stuff because I'm like well people still like them for a reason. I think maybe when they made the Switch, if they were going to know that they were going to have all these libraries, maybe they could have supplied controllers with it that kind of, you know, like you could buy the retro controller for the Wii, for the virtual console. Well, they did, maybe but they it, could... it cost $60 separate. Yeah, maybe the, I mean, they wouldn't, <laughs> but maybe it would have been cool if they supplied something that kind of warranted that, if they knew it was coming down the line. I don't know. There is a fan HD remaster if you want to play it online and there was a cancelled remake as well which there are some levels of well and there's a remake on wii too oh oh it doesn't have daniel craig in it though maybe i don't know i didn't play it I, I think they wanted to put a modern bond in it and i was like oh blasphemy i don't even like bond but it was really annoying uh i still really like it but i really i really like rare games like a lot there's even a disney game they brought out on the game by color which is actually like surprisingly mm. brilliant I think my point of the controls are bad is being conflated with I didn't like it, which is not true. I am enjoying it because I do have the N64 controller once I had it, Ah. like played with that. It it made sense. 
Yeah. Because when yeah. I hold a twin stick controller and I'm playing a shooter, I subconsciously go for that right stick and it just doesn't work the yeah. way I want it to and it messes me up. Without that option there, it's fine. It's weird. Takes some getting used to, but it's doable. I'm just saying, like you said, a lot of people don't have that controller, can't get that controller. No. It's a game that's very reliant on the auto-aim. That's what mm. you want to be using more than... Yeah. I think what most people used to do with the twin stick aiming where they generally are getting the crosshair where that needs to go by themselves. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And Goldeneye, you're using the auto aim to shoot almost everything. <laughs> so yeah. it's a completely different philosophy towards uh, first person shooting. But I don't believe in games aging poorly. I, I think if a game is bad today, it was always bad. We just didn't know any better which we definitely didn't know any better on GoldenEye because uh, it was the first successful uh, first-person shooter Like I think bef on consoles. I think before yeah. that, there was like Doom on Super Doom? NES, which is an infamously bad port. <laughs> Has the better mm. music, though. Yeah. There's uh, Aliens vs. Predator. Uh, I don't remember. Oh, I, I had that on the, remember if on that the was, PS1. <laughs> I think that was a Sega Saturn game. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't remember if that was before or after Golden. I might have been contemporary, uh, but that was the game that introduced twin stick shooting. So <laughs> that was mm. still a new idea. It would be cool if they did do what they could have done is done like a finish the remake, didn't cancel it, brought it out, and then had oh you can also play the original one on this if you want the nostalgia option, and then shown that what they could have done that would have been pretty neat. But there not many. <laughs> That seems very generous for a lot of studios to do. They kind no. of want to milk milk it as much as possible, so I don't think that's ever going to happen. That would never happen. No, it used to with some things. Like you were playing Diablo, and you could you could skip you could switch between like the old one and the new one. I really like when things have done that. Like Broken Sword, the director's cut versions did that, and it was really cool. But yeah, I think they just want to milk it as much as possible, so that's not going to happen. But yeah, I, yeah, I like the answers for. It's not even my favorite console, I'll put that out there. I'm a Dreamcast girl, I will always be a Dreamcast girl until I dare. It's fun to play, just when you go in, expect trouble if you don't have that N64 controller and you haven't played it before, because it doesn't yeah. behave like any other shooter. You can switch to a control scheme, I think it's 1.2 and 1.4, and then mm. in the system settings, swap the, the thumbsticks. All I'm saying is that Nintendo could have just done that too. Because they have made concessions for controls before. Anyway, they didn't do it this time. That's an option that you can do. It's frustrating, but it's there. Uh, so if you didn't know about it, try it out. And yeah, if you already have the NSO app, it's already downloaded. Go go do it. Yeah. Go play it. Check it out. That was actually quite cool. I was actually, it was on the store. So I was like, oh, shit. Do I have to buy it now? And it's like, oh no, it's on the thing. It's all good. Yeah, there's a whole conversation to be had about just owning the title, but that's... Oh yeah. <laughs> we've already talked enough today. <laughs> you know, I had Goldeneye when it first came out. Uh, I got trapped in the campaign mode because I didn't really have people I could play multiplayer with very much, and then I didn't oh. have many controllers I could play multiplayer with them with. I think the most <laughs> controllers I ever had was three, so like I never really got to play full Goldeneye or full Smash Brothers with my friends. Did you have one of those controllers that was like a third party one? I had like no. a see-through one and like whenever a friend came over you're like, this is your one. <laughs> you get the weird controller. Now luckily I ha I all had first person, con or, uh, first party controllers. Oh, okay. I, I don't, uh, I don't, I'm not even 
sure at this point how I got those. But anyway, <laughs> so I just got really tired of playing the campaign over and over again. Mm-hmm. Just grew to resent GoldenEye over time. Uh, campaign is actually quite good. Uh, I especially like how, mm. as Rosalie mentioned, like the higher the difficulty you play on, the more it gives you to do in each mission, mm-hmm. which is that's a really clever idea. I wish more games would do that today, but they don't. Uh, still a very <laughs> unique idea to GoldenEye and Perfect Dark. Then I came back to GoldenEye when I started collecting 15, maybe as many as 20 years later. And sat down to play it on an original Nintendo 64, on an SD TV, you know, all the original hardware. And it's like, oh, this game is not good. <laughs> so I'm, I haven't been in any rush to get out and get GoldenEye uh, like everybody else has been when since they announced it. Because uh, I'm still of the opinion this game is not very good. I will let you off because you said that Banjo-Kazooie is amazing, so... <laughs> 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 Look, maybe I'll try and play it again and it'll be different, but I've tried to play it like three yeah. times and I'm just, I don't know, I'm just wondering around. Perfect Dark is object, it, it is better, there's cool things you can do in it and it was cool because you could be a woman, and but I didn't own it <laughs> yeah. and it was really, it was quite hard to find copies here, I don't know why. It's not my favourite N64 game, by the way, I think it, mine's is Majora's Mask, so... The N64 was one of the first 3D consoles, so a lot of the games are just throwing stuff at the wall to see what's stuck. And I don't think there are many, if any, games that really stuck the majority of it. I think a lot of it was... It's good, but... Super Mario 64, it's good, but the con- the camera kind of sucks, because it was the yeah, first one. The, mm-hmm. the DS version's better. Banjo-Kazooie has a great camera, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give it another shot. It's on the app. And you can be a bee. <laughs> it's so cute. You can be a cute little bee with a backpack. I love it. All right, so what are we playing in the coming week? Rosalie, we'll start with you. I'm trying to complete the first Xenoblade game. Mm. I just got past the the Colony 6, and then you're like in a swampy area or oh, lagoon yeah. or something. Yeah, I'm trying to complete that because I've never completed it before. But um, I keep getting distracted with other things, so hopefully I'll play more of it. And Sylvia, gonna try to do more Persona, more Fire Emblem. I wanted to like focus on one game at a time, and it just doesn't seem that my brain is wired to do that. So <laughs> I just need to play what I feel like playing. And yeah, and I had something written down here, but I don't know if we have time to do it. So I'll, I'll come with something next week, but I don't know what it's gonna be. So tune in for our new game coverage in the coming yeah in the coming episode. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Enfocus. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us get noticed. You can also listen and subscribe on Stitcher, Spotify, and other podcast services. Make sure to check out our sister shows, PlayState and Power of X. Be sure to join our Discord server to interact with the lively GamePodular community. You can also follow us on Twitter, GamePodular.com for updates, news and other content. The links for all of these are in the show notes. If you'd like to support our shows, you can buy us a coffee or become a GamePodular Patreon. 
The details for both of these are on our website. Thanks in advance. This episode was edited by Andrew. You can follow him on Twitter at PlayCritically and check out his long-form reviews at playcritically.com. You can find myself at twitch.tv forward slash Sylvie and Rosalie on Twitter at Lil Record Girl.